children, for our homes, for the lost who long for hope, for this nation so in need of God today. For the lonely, for the hurt, those who hunger, those who thirst, for a world that needs to hear that Jesus saves. would never turn from what is right. That no matter what the glory of the cost, with compassion we would share the love of Christ. Who will pray? Who will lift their heart to heaven? Who will fall before the throne of grace? take our Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, as we continue in our series, Staying Connected with God, and actually it's connected with God, get connected, and we're, we're talking lately or have been addressing this issue of staying connected, and so let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 14 as we kind of kick it back off again, kind of review slightly, and then we'll move ahead in our material today. Glad you could be a part of the service, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get moving right along here. John chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, 
Aren't you glad this is true? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Boy, the disciples, of course, had gotten some pretty bad news. They began to hear Christ talk about the fact that he would be going to Jerusalem, that ultimately he would uh, end up losing his life, that he would no longer be with them in person. And boy, I tell you what, they became discouraged. And so the Lord Jesus Christ begins to tell them, listen, I'm telling you, I may go away, but I'll come back for you. And when I come back for you, I'll bring you into my presence again, and that where I am, there ye may be also. And they thought to themselves, I'm sure that's a wonderful promise, and I'm sure that's going to be grand and great. However, what do we do in the meantime? What do we do between the time you're gone and the time you return? And again, they thought that it would be a relatively short period of time, but Jesus still gives them an answer, and he ultimately tells them in chapter 14, he goes on to say, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. He lets them know that he's going to send another comforter, that he's going to send his presence, and he's going to have his power with them along the way. He says, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And boy, I'll tell you what, we're glad that the Lord Jesus Christ is with us always. And that's exactly what he promised. They're worried about being connected. Here he was with them, walking and talking and living their lives together with the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, he's going to be gone. And they're like, we're going to be disconnected. We want to be connected. How's that going to work? He says, that's all right, I'll send another comforter. It'll be me and the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, we'll be back together again. Don't worry about that. I'll make sure that we're connected. And can I tell you, it's important that we stay connected with God. You know, we talked about the fact that we're not complete till we're connected with God. We know that there's a void that exists within every human being. We know that without God, the Lord Jesus Christ, taking up residency inside our heart and our life, there's a void, there's an emptiness, there's a part of us missing. We need to be connected to Him because only in being connected with Him can we be complete and whole. We also learn that we're not content till we're connected with God. Obviously, if we're not complete without Him, how can we be content without Him? And so we realize right off the bat as we begin our study that we must be, we need to be connected with God. We said that how does that all begin? Well, it begins by beginning a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's the new birth. That's how we get connected, through the new birth. In John chapter 112, the Bible says, But as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. A relationship began the day that you invited Christ in your life. You got to be born of the flesh, physical, but you need to be born of the water. He talks about over there in John chapter 3, the spirit. The fact is, is it's not enough to be born into this life, into into a family on earth, and ultimately into a home on earth. No, you need to be born into the, the family of God and ultimately find your way into the house of God. And boy, I'll tell you what, we need Jesus Christ and he saved our souls that day when we called upon him and received him and we became complete because he moved in. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not saved by works or righteousness on our own. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And the fact is, is that our salvation is not dependent upon our attitude or our actions. It's dependent upon His promise and His work on Calvary and His sacrifice that He made on our behalf. In John 6, 37, He says, listen, you are not in danger of losing what I gave you. He says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You don't have to worry about being cast out now. However... Although the relationship is secure, although the relationship is steadfast and solid, the fact is, is that our fellowship can be affected. How can we keep that from being disrupted? I mean, what can we do to stay connected with God and consistently and practically experiencing the power and presence of Christ daily in our lives? Well, I've talked to you before, but I have this extension cord back here. And again, this extension cord, it's kind of too bad we have to plug. This is our closest plug. But anyway, we got this extension cord. And at the end of this extension cord, we've got these three prongs here. And these three prongs have to be inserted into that power source right over there, that plug. There are three prongs. When that power source is connected, when those three prongs make their way into that power source, let me tell you something, we now have... Working power. But if you disconnect that extension cord from the power source, we got nothing. And we started last week by talking about this power cord and that it has three particular ends here. All three of those have to go into that power source. All three of those need to be connected if we want a steady and secure stream of power flowing on a continual basis. They all three have to be engaged. And that's What you and I need in our lives, a strong and steady connection to God, who is the universal power source. And so even as that extension cord possesses three prongs, and by placing it into that power source, we are connected to that power. We said that over the next three weeks, we wanted to discuss three ways to stay connected with God. Last week, we talked about the first one, stay connected through the Word of God. Stay connected through the Word of God. Whether you're young or old or middle-aged, God will speak to you, we said. Whether you're ignorant to the truth, aware of the truth, or opposed to the truth even, God will speak to you. Whether you have any education, some education, or a lot of education, doesn't really matter. God will speak to you. We just said simply, pick it up, open it, and He will speak. That's what we talked about last week. The first prong in an attempt to maintain a strong and steady connection to God, we're going to consider the second prong of our extension cord today so that we can experience the power and presence of God daily. What is it? Well, they just sang about it. Prayer. Prayer. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll continue. Father, we need you today. We have to be connected to you. And then once we're connected through salvation through the new birth we need to remain connected in a sense of a practical sense oh we know we're always saved we know that we're always part of your family we know that our relationship is secure but father we want our fellowship to be sweet and we want to continually enjoy the power and the presence of the lord jesus christ father help us to stay connected and lord be you speak to our hearts as we consider this topic of prayer today And the need to pray in order to remain and to stay connected to God. Lord, I pray that, Father, you'd fill me with your spirit. May you fill this place. Father, may you have 
reign in this place. May you be free to work and move here. We submit ourselves to you. We ask you, Father, to speak to our hearts. And Lord, for that soul that is closest to hell, that soul that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that has yet to experience the new birth or to have received and accepted Christ into their life, I pray that they would do that before they leave today. That, Father, you would bless us that do know you. That, Father, we would maintain a connection that we may experience the wonderful power and presence of the Lord Jesus Christ daily. We love you now. We need you. In Christ's name, amen. We think about prayer, and prayer, of course, is a very, very familiar topic. We talk about prayer a lot. We talk about prayer almost to nauseam at times. And yet we do so little of it. If we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with others and we're honest with God, we'd have to admit that we don't pray like we ought to pray. And yet prayer is a very important aspect of remaining connected to God. Oh, I know that we're saved and I recognize and realize that my salvation has nothing to do with my actions and deeds today. I know that it's all Christ and only Christ. But boy, if I want to maintain a connection to Him, a fellowship and an intimacy and a relationship that continues to grow, a fellowship that is sweet, then we have to be communicating as we talked about this morning in our Sunday schools. We see Nehemiah in the Word of God. Nehemiah prayed for restoration. Over in the book of Nehemiah, and you needn't turn there, but we see that his city, Jerusalem was in great affliction and reproach. The walls of the city had been burned down. The gates had been burned down. And he gets word. And boy, his heart breaks for those that, were, that escaped the captivity and those that were still remaining there in Jerusalem. And he makes his way there and he begs God, Oh God, restore Jerusalem. Hezekiah prayed for deliverance from Sennacherib and the Assyrian army. I mean, the Assyrian army came down upon Israel, upon Judah, and man, he found out we got a real problem here. And despite all the glorious victories that Sennacherib's army had enjoyed and the vicious threats that he issued to Hezekiah and the people, can I tell you that God heard the cries of his servants and delivered them with a strong hand? They awoke the next morning to a massive graveyard of 185,000 Assyrians dead. Daniel, he prayed for understanding, didn't he? In his prayer, Daniel asked God to give him understanding of the vision that he had seen that would ultimately reveal, indeed, information that you and I would need moving forward as we look at our world presently and as we recognize the changes that are taking place all around us. We can't help but think about prophecies by like Daniel and Isaiah and so many of the other prophets that point to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. Daniel prayed for understanding and God honored it. King Solomon prayed for wisdom. Boy, who in the room doesn't need to pray for wisdom? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Why? Because we're so desperate in need of it. King Solomon prayed for wisdom so that he might rule the people well. 
Can you imagine being thrust into a position where you are in charge of millions and millions of lives, where your decisions will determine the outcome of their future? And Solomon said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I need you, God. I need your wisdom. And God answered his prayer. David prayed for forgiveness. We all know that David made some tremendous errors in his life, and he made some tremendous mistakes and sinned against God and against man. But let me tell you something. God heard his prayer, and God answered and gave him forgiveness. Hannah prayed for a child. She prayed and begged God, Oh God, my husband is so kind to me. My husband loves me so much, but I need a child. And God heard her cry and answered her prayer. Many have prayed for healing throughout the word of God. We can see example after example. The centurion who prayed for his servant to be healed. The leper who prayed for a healing. The blind man who prayed for sight. The paralytic who was in need of a transformed body. The Canaanite woman who prayed for her daughter. Throughout the New Testament, we see prayers being extended to God. And in every case, they prayed, God heard, and things happened. In every case, they prayed, God heard, and things happened. Prayer connected these folks to God. Prayer brought them into the very presence of God. Prayer connected them. Can I say that prayer connects us to God also? Do you know that He hears our prayers too? You say, well, we know all that. How come we don't pray like that? I mean, there might be somebody in this room that far exceeds my desperation and my need of God because I'll tell you, the fact is, is that a lack of prayer proves we don't need Him. And maybe you spend hours and hours and hours praying every day and week. Maybe you do, and I praise God for you, friend. And may I say, if you're praying three hours a day, you come see me. I would like to talk to you. But I got this sneaking suspicion today that it's probably closer to less than 30 minutes. It might be as little as three minutes, and it may be zero minutes on a daily basis. Oh, do we realize, do we understand today as God's people that God hears us? They prayed. God heard. Things happened. So why pray? I believe, first of all, to enjoy His presence. To enjoy His presence. Why do we want connected to God? To enjoy His presence. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3, please. God, of course, had created Adam. God, of course, created Adam. God created 
Adam. God created Adam. Say, so why are you saying it so many times? Because they hear it a million times in school that he did not. Because you hear it on the media a million times that he did not. Because you see it in every movie you watch, he did not create. Let's balance the scale and let's start talking about the fact that God created. God created. God created. You lose that creation, you lose everything. If he didn't create, then he's a fraud today. He's a fraud. We're wasting our time and our money and our effort. You say, I'm still struggling with that. You better figure it out, friend, because if he didn't create it, then you're wasting your time here. But God created. And so he placed Adam in the garden, and he provided Adam with a wife by the name of Eve. The two of them enjoyed life together in that garden, at least till the fall. And I'm not talking about the time of year. It seemed that God and his creation spent time together. That's what it appears like to me. Can, can we, let's do something with that right there, please. Hey, let's take, hey, son, let's not put that stuff over our head. We're in preaching right now. It's time to listen, okay? Look at Genesis 3.8. Notice this now. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. That first phrase, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I don't know about you, but I get the impression that somehow, some way, on a regular, consistent basis, God walked in that garden and God met with his people, his creation. I got to believe, based on what I've read in the scriptures, that God intended to have a walk and a relationship with those he created. He didn't have to have it in order to be content. No, he would be content with him, just himself, God the Father. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But instead, he chose to say, I want a fellowship and I want a relationship with my creation in a very unique and special way. A special way, a unique way that no animal could possibly meet. A way that a human being had to be created. One that was, had the breath of life blown into their body and became a living soul. And so there he would walk in the cool of the day with Adam, with Eve, and there they fellowshiped and they enjoyed one another's company. Can you imagine how wonderful it would have been just to walk about the garden with God? Oh, how wonderful that would be, huh? Just to spend time with the one who created you. The one person who knows you better than even you know yourself. The one person who could unravel every mystery in your heart and in your life. Can you imagine that? The one person who cared more for you than you could even care for yourself. Can you imagine that? Getting to walk with that person. Getting to spend time with that person. Getting and having the opportunity to fellowship with that person. 
I wonder what they talked about. You know what? I know what they talked about. You say, how do you know? I know. You know what it was? Whatever was on Adam's heart and mind. God just wanted to hear from his creation. He had already spoke to him. He had already outlined what his responsibilities were. He already told him what was required of him. Now he just wanted to enjoy his creation. And let me tell you, when Adam got in his presence, God probably said, so how's it going, Adam? Let me hear from you, big boy. I want to hear what's going on in your life. I want to hear how things are turning out for you and Eve, your new bride. Come on, talk to me, Adam. I'm listening. I'm all ears. I believe they talked about whatever Adam thought was important. Whatever Adam wanted to learn about or understand better. Whatever he wanted to talk about. You know, I have some of the sweetest, most precious grandchildren a man could ever have. And of course, if you don't have those, there's something wrong. I'm a little partial to mine. But for good reason, too. But anyway, they're sweet. And they are wonderful. I love them to death. And you know, you know what we talk about when I'm with them, when I'm by myself with them? Whatever they want to talk about. Whatever they want to talk about. I mean, they talk about crazy stuff. I mean, I'm just like all ears, you know? Awesome. I just want to spend some time with you. I'm listening. Just talk to me. My one little granddaughter, all she, she wants to watch on television is Curious George. I made a visit the other day on a house, and they have a bunch of kids. And when I got there, I was sitting talking to the couple, and I was listening. And I said, I broke right in the middle of their conversation. I said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Curious George. And they said, Yeah. I said, ah! <laughs> Curious George. Man, she wants to talk about Curious George all the time. She wants to talk about what's going on with Danny, what's going on. You know how it is. And all the grandbabies have something that's on their heart and on their mind. And I don't care what it is. I just want to listen. Whatever they want to talk about. When my children got a little older, and they were in their teen years, I... Uh, I scheduled time to spend with them each week. Now, what I had to do, I had four of them, and obviously, like you, I was extremely busy too, but once a week, I'd take one of them. So once a month, I got with each kid. And you say, that's not much. I know, but it was something. Boy, make sure you do something on purpose. Because here's what I wanted. I'd I'd try to take them them out to eat or to the store or I really, whatever they wanted to do, it was their time with dad. And it was only usually between an hour, hour and a half or something, maybe for lunch, that kind of time frame. But listen, I, I just wanted to get with the kids. And, and it wasn't a long time, but I felt it was important to get to know them personally, especially as they're going through that transition, as they're making their way from being children into young adults. And let me tell you, there's some transition that takes place. And one of the reasons we lose our teenagers is because we don't even know who they are. And boy, I'll tell you what, when I did get with them, you know what we talked about when we were together? 
whatever they wanted to talk about. Hey, listen, I'm the pastor of Community Baptist Temple. I am a husband. I am a physically fit specimen. I'm intellectually superior to most. Do you know what we talked about? Whatever they wanted to talk about. Why? Because that's the only way I want to get to know them. And as a dad, all I wanted to know is about them. What's important to you? What matters to you? Man, I love spending time with my kids, and I still do. And I want to know what they want to talk about. I want to listen to them. See, God just wants to hear from us. He just wants to hear from you. Can you imagine that? That God, the creator of the universe, wants to hear from you? Doesn't that humble us? It's hard to imagine, isn't it, really? The psalmist was floored. He was floored to think that God would spend even a fleeting moment thinking about him or mankind. He couldn't believe it. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 8, verse 4. He couldn't even believe it. He couldn't wrap his mind around it. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 4, the psalmist says, What is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? What is man, he says, that thou art mindful of him? God, What is man? What what am I? What are they that you would even care about us, that you would even think for just even a fleeting moment about us? I mean, what are we? We're nothing. At least in our eyes, as we view it, we can't see a whole lot. And God says in other places, but you don't know. What you don't know is this, that I love you. I love you. You. Not for what you can do for me, because I don't need what you can do. Not what you can share with me. I don't need you to share a thing with me. Not for what you can give me, because you really can't give me anything I don't have already. I just love you because, and therefore, I care about you and I want to hear from you I just want to know what's on your heart I want to know what's on your mind I want to know what bothers you from day to day and from moment to moment I want you to bear your heart to me I want to fellowship with you if prayer only allowed us to converse with God just to just to be in his presence, just to enjoy his presence, if that's all prayer was, it'd still be glorious beyond belief. 
But there is one more thing I want to share. Not only we do we pray to enjoy his presence, but we pray to experience his power. Yes. Amen. Oh, remember our Bible examples, one after the other? In every case, they prayed, God heard, and things happened. They prayed, God heard, and things happened. In every case. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, please. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, we read a tremendously encouraging passage. Look what it says here in chapter 7 of the book of Matthew, verses 7 through 11. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Oh, what man is there of you, whom of his son asks bread? Whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? In every case, they prayed, God heard, things happened. What a privilege to be able to bring our every care to the Creator of all the universe. What a privilege to have the right to enter into a sacred throne room and speak to Him anytime. We have God's ear today. D.L. Moody said, I'd rather be able to pray than, excuse me, I'd rather be able to pray than be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught His disciples how to preach, but only how to pray. Well, there isn't anybody's ear I'd rather have than God's ear. I mean, He alone has creator power. He alone has creator passion. He alone has creator provision. He has everything that I need and so much more. Curtis Hudson said, There is more that you can do after you pray, but there is nothing you can do until you pray. It's been said, should I say Abraham Lincoln said, I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me, uh, and that of all about me, when all about me seemed insufficient for the day. He had nowhere to go, he said. Where but to God. Life is fragile, they say. Handle with prayer. Nothing lies outside the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. And I don't know about you, but prayer enables us to experience His power. To enjoy His presence, but also to experience His power. 
Turn to Jeremiah 33, 3. A powerful passage. If truly believed and rehearsed in our life, embraced in our life, it will transform us and change us forever. Jeremiah 33, 3, God says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What is he saying simply? You pray, I hear, and things happen. You pray, I hear, and things happen. That's what he's saying. Hudson Taylor said, The prayer power has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. One of the greatest missionaries of all time unlocked the secret to successful living and ministry. It's communion and fellowship with God through prayer. You pray, God hears, things happen. That's how it works. If we never saw one thing from God, however, if all we could experience and enjoy was His presence, that would be enough. But He doesn't stop there. We can experience His power too. And with that power comes provision and protection and great prosperity in our life, our ministries, our homes, our families, our marriages, and in our world we place God where he belongs. In every example that scripture offers, we need not only look. They prayed, God heard, and things happened. And the same is true for you and I. You need to enjoy his presence today. And boy, does he ever want you to. And you and I need to experience his power. And he is anxious to demonstrate it in our life. What's your need today? If you died today, could you with confidence say, I have no doubt whatsoever that heaven would be my home. I know for a fact that I have received and accepted Christ on His terms, that I came to Him broken. I came to Him humbly, bowing, ex confessing my sin and my inability to get to heaven on my own, and that only Him 
and his sacrifice would be sufficient. Only he could wash my sin away. And so I called on him like the Bible says, and I received Christ into my life. And I can remember how sweet it was to have the sin lifted off of my back, the burden removed, and to finally be free to fellowship and enjoy my Creator like never before. Your experience doesn't have to be the same as the neighbor or person beside you or even a husband or wife, but you have, have had to have experienced the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to have come to a place where you understood that you deserved hell, that only Christ could pay for your sin and did on Calvary. And that he not only died for you, but that he rose again the third day. You say, I am confident that he died for me, was buried and rose again, and I know without Jesus Christ I'd go to hell. I've invited him into my life. I have received and accepted him. But as many as received unto them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You can only land on two sides. There's only two sides of this coin. There's I am forgiven completely because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Or I am not. You either are or you're not. It's not, I think so. That won't get it done, friend. Salvation is an either yes positive or a no negative. Are you or aren't you forgiven? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Not forgiven because you believe you're a good enough person. Not forgiven because you haven't done too many bad things. Not forgiven in your mind because your good will outweigh your bad. Forgiven because there came a point where you invited him to come into your life and asked him to forgive, save you, and wash your sin away. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish have everlasting life? Have you put your faith and belief in Jesus alone? And then if you have already, what's your need? What's your need? You pray, God hears, and things happen. Enjoy His presence and experience His power by getting connected to God through prayer. It might be time to confess an attitude of apathy toward prayer because that is sin. It's self. Maybe we need to come to an old-fashioned altar or kneel at a seat today and say, God in heaven, I have neglected you. As much as you want to fellowship with me, I have neglected you. I've taken you for granted. I just assume you'll be there whenever I need you. 
but I know how much you want me to fellowship and talk with you and share with you, and I realize how sweet it would be now, and I confess that as sin in my life, and I come to you telling you, I'm going to do better with your help. I'm done with that because you're too good to me to continue that pathway. I'm going to start praying consistently and regularly every day because I want to be connected to you and experience your presence and your power every day of my life. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us and we just ask, Lord, you'd help us to recognize and realize how anxious you are that we communicate with you. You, the creator God of the universe, you who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, you who owns every bit of the wealth of every mine in the world, who literally hangs the stars in place, you want a fellowship with us. You want to enjoy hearing from us. Father, help us, Lord, to be willing to pray like we ought to, to get connected to you through prayer. Now, Lord, today there might be someone that's without Jesus Christ. I pray that they would not leave here without him. Convict them of their sin. Show them a need of their salvation today that you will indeed hear them, that they simply need to pray. You will hear things will happen. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head